Gaslighting is when someone is manipulated by psychological means. Through the use of misdirection, denial, lying, a person or person's beliefs are slowly destabilized and eroded, usually for some nefarious reason. It's a term that's come up in the zeitgeist recently, and Brick Moon Fiction wanted to set our writers loose on exploring the contemporary or future possibilities of gaslighting. Brick Moon Fiction presents Played by Josh Trapani Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle Goodbyes are always sad occasions. Colleagues, don't you agree? Today we bid farewell to guest number 78-498-7-0, Roger Merriman, one of American Gaming Facilities, Inc., DBA, Renewer Casino, Resort, Spa, Winery, and Equestrian Center's top guests over the past four years. It has been a pleasure serving him. Beyond his total net transactions, $4.83 million, Mr. Merriman has proven a boon to the analytics and guest relationship departments, who have learned so much from him and the manner in which he was stewarded to nearly unprecedented levels of engagement. Relevant employees, please follow this feed on your screens for real-time updates as the separation proceeds. Mr. Merriman's current whereabouts, southbound I-47, 26 miles away, approaching the facility at 78 miles per hour. Yes, colleagues, he's speeding. The frequency distribution of his velocity in that location over his many trips shows, even with the obvious left skewing, that today's speed is anomalously high. But run the animated time series of individual trip data and watch his speeds trend faster over time. Merriman's gotten more reckless on the road. Are we sure he's headed here? Absolute certainty is an impossibility, but in the time we've tracked his movements through the Renura Fun app, there have been only five occasions where this level of proximity hasn't resulted in a same-hour visit, five occasions out of nearly 800 trips. That means the odds he's on his way are 99.4%, and his current ETA is 32 minutes from now. Colleagues, let's please prepare. As we await his arrival, let's revisit guest number 78-498-7-0's history. Roger Merriman's initial visit to the facility was a fortuitous occasion and, like a first date with your eventual spouse, one whose import was clear only in retrospect. That's how the world works sometimes, colleagues. It keeps things interesting. At the time, Merriman was just a husband and father looking for an easy family getaway, and this was one of those rare occasions his wife, Carol, and two daughters accompanied him. Perhaps ironically, it wasn't gambling that got them here. It was the spa for his wife, the pool and the horses for his kids, plus the $100 voucher in an online ad we targeted via web social to people just outside the usual guest geographic radius. Upon checking in, as is customary, the front desk offered Merriman an additional $150 to install the Renura Fun app. By agreeing, he, like the vast majority of guests, very few of whom read the terms of service, granted us permission to track and record his every action in the facility and to link this information with all the personal data on his device. Ultimately, Roger Merriman would spend 4,623 hours in the facility, the equivalent of more than six months. We know everything about that time. His physical location? Fun fact, 87% was spent at gaming stations, putting him in the top 4% of guests. Every hand played on every station? Uh, C-72 in Sector 10 was his clear favorite. Every food and drink item purchased, every trip to the bathroom, and the urinal he chose to piss in. As Merriman and his family settled into their room on that fateful first visit, 
his data were merged and analyzed, as is SOP, the initial scrape pulls, estimates, or infers 82 pieces of data. Later, as he became more interesting to us, we obtained many more. The outline of his life quickly emerged. Basic demographics, white male, aged 47, married for 16 years, two children, daughters, aged 8 and 13, education, bachelor's degree, business, Cloudsburg State, MBA, Northern Ohio University, employer, standard belts and hoses, a small manufacturer of auto parts for domestic cars and SUVs, job title, deputy CFO, income, low 200K range, almost entirely wages, an unimpressive figure compared with similarly titled peers, but nonetheless in the top 3% of regional earners and top 5% of facility guests. Estimated net worth, $1 to $2 million, including home equity. Consumer and spending habits, conservative. Debt, minimal. Credit score, excellent. Later analysis of credit card statements and bank account balances would corroborate this. Geographic proximity to facility. Home and work by shortest route, 148 and 122 miles, respectively. Average trip time, 2.7 and 2.1 hours. Ultimately, Merriman would make 771 trips to the facility, not counting today's. Imagine all those lonely hours in the car. The anticipation on the way here. The disappointment on the rides back. Gaming-related interest, very low. No related apps on his mobile device, nor any evidence of prior gaming or gambling. Indeed, beyond his work, his primary interests, per the initial scrape, appeared to be coaching his younger daughter's soccer team, golfing, and occasionally viewing some pretty darned boring vanilla porn. In short, there was little evidence of risk-taking behavior or the latent desire for same. All the usual heuristics rated the likelihood of his becoming a regular guest, much less a top guest, as very low. And yet he kept coming back. As usual, the facility was running several guest experiments at the time of Mr. Merriman's first visit. One focused on the role of small jackpots in establishing lasting connections with guests who, based on their data profiles, showed little proclivity for returning. Merriman was flagged for participation. He gambled for a few hours each day of his trip. The rest of the time was spent engaged in other activities with his family, playing $10 video poker. As boring, conservative, and pedestrian as you'd expect, on the last day of his visit, he scored a jackpot in the high four figures. It warrants saying more about the experiment. The amount of the jackpot varied in proportion to the subject's estimated net worth, using guidelines established by earlier research about what amounts constituted meaningful. Net worth estimate was derived using federal and state data based on age, gender, home address, employment sector, and occupation title and code. The jackpots were termed bonuses, and on the gaming station, accompanied by a light and sound show. They followed winning hands, but no explanation for them was provided, nor was more information, not even in a single case, requested by the guest. The gaming station's cameras recorded Merriman's reaction as he won. Let's pull the footage up now. Notice the muscular response around the mouth and eyes. Pay special attention to the optic close-up, visual scan, watch the pupil dilate. The exact physiological correlates are still areas of active research, but the signs are unmistakable. You can almost smell the adrenaline, see the dopamine coursing, lighting up long dormant parts of his brain. Roger Merriman left the facility that day, a man transformed. Colleagues, people have two main misconceptions about how our business operates. 
The first is they think that, like a product-oriented firm, the best way for us to generate additional revenue is to attract more customers. But we are not McDonald's, nor even Dolce & Gabbana. Our customer profile is not Gaussian. More than half of our revenue comes from 10% of our guests. The key to enhancing profitability is cultivating the right guests. The second misconception, fueled by popular culture, is that a few big bets bring in most of the revenue. The truth is more prosaic. The facility's motto is, slow and steady wins the race. Once the right guests are identified, the objective is to get them here as often as possible and to keep them here, gambling for as long as we can. The more they play, the more we win and they lose. The Renura Fun app proved indispensable to developing the relationship with Mr. Merriman. The app buzzes regularly at guests to remind them it's there and invite them to relive their experience. Research has shown that people will tolerate these interruptions for months or years, even if they never open the app. Virtually no one disables it. Merriman accessed the app's video poker module several times in the week after his first visit. This module is designed to tantalize guests. It allows only one hand at a time, shuts down after 15 minutes of play, and, of course, doesn't allow them to bet real money. The odds on the app version of the game are also more favorable to the player, so they win more often. We took advantage of his interaction with the app to send him offers of credits, and Merriman returned to the facility the next Saturday, alone. He spent six hours playing video poker and lost most of the previous week's jackpot. He came again the next Wednesday evening and didn't leave until nearly midnight, by which time the facility had more than earned its money back. Very soon, he was coming several times each week. What was going through his mind those first weeks and months? Did he consciously recognize what was happening, or did it remain several layers down? Did he tell himself he'd merely taken up a new hobby, added a harmless bit of excitement to a life otherwise devoid of it? Many people equate the experience with becoming addicted to a drug, but, colleagues, don't you prefer to think of it like falling in love? Roger Merriman fell in love with us. At work, crunching financials, on the sidelines of the kids' soccer game, in bed at 3 a.m., wherever he was, thoughts of the facility, of the experience we provide, became ever more pervasive. His family and co-workers may not have detected his distraction, but they surely noticed his increasing absence. Family especially is a touchy area for us. Sometimes it's best to engage them, other times not. A bit of digging on Carol Merriman indicated zero interest in gambling, but plenty in shopping and spa treatments. We targeted her via social media, with ads and vouchers focused on these ancillary activities. But she didn't connect with them. Not even one click. Research has shown what this means. She didn't know how her husband was spending his time. We ceased efforts to reach her. From the very first time he entered the facility, Roger Merriman gravitated toward poker. Not the ubiquitous Texas Hold'em, but seven-card stud a more conservative and strategic game that fit with his profile. He quickly transitioned to three hands at a time, then five and ten. This meant he constantly won and lost simultaneously, making it more difficult for him to detect the overall depletion of his funds. We like to make guests feel like winners as much as possible, and gaming stations light up with congratulations if guests win even one of multiple hands. When they don't win, they may almost win, and it's important to celebrate that, too.
Over the first few months, Mr. Merriman's losses crept into the five figures and steadily grew. When they reached $50,000, it was time for Ms. De Silva to enter the scene. And it's from Ms. De Silva that we learn more about his attraction to this game. Roger Merriman, in his work as deputy CFO at Standard Belts and Hoses, managed money. But his job wasn't to beat the stock market or turn their equity into a fortune. His job was merely to make sure the funds didn't lose value to inflation and ensure they could be quickly retrieved when needed. It was a boring slog, full of urgency and short on importance, and Merriman felt he was capable of more. Ms. De Silva reported a bit of transference. Merriman seemed determined to demonstrate that he could beat the game. Like many poker players, especially those with education and financial acumen, he was overconfident in his level of play, which was slightly but not significantly above average, and improved not a whit over time. Regardless of what motivated him, Merriman was in the zone during play. We see it clearly in many hours of scan data. We could also observe when he hit a minor pain point. The pupils show a clear disruption in rhythmic dilation patterns. When those signals shifted, Ms. De Silva received a ping on her device. She would then locate Mr. Merriman, often still at his gaming station, and see to his immediate needs. A few minutes of chat, a drink, a meal, or occasionally a place to catch up with work so he could resume play. What can we say that would do justice to Ms. De Silva, colleagues? Her performance as a senior guest relationship manager, handling a cohort mainly comprised of middle-aged male guests, is inspiring. She's their confidant, their partner in crime. Sometimes she's their shoulder to cry on, and sometimes, well, more than sometimes, the devil on their shoulder urging them on. She's classy, open, and able to introduce just a whiff of sexual tension, but never too much, into any interaction she chooses. In her real life, she's a mom of two who's been happily married for the last nine years. You might have seen her kids running around at the company picnic. One other fun fact that does not come up in her conversations with guests is that she's got a Ph.D. in neuroscience and human behavior from Johns Hopkins University. Despite her impressive academic credentials and undoubted personal charisma, Ms. De Silva's most fundamental talent is reading people. Her sense of intuition is off the charts. We like to think of her as the human complement to our algorithms, but her take is that the algorithms complement her. Either way, she's able to perfectly calibrate her demeanor to the guest. Her job, as she herself will say, is to anticipate and meet their needs. After all, they don't truly desire to surrender to the odds. Through luck or skill, it's a desire for control, of wanting to beat the odds that brings many of them here in the first place. Pudgy, myopic Roger Merriman stood no chance and put up no resistance against her arsenal of charm. On your screens, colleagues, is a still image of his face moments after she's introduced herself for the first time. He's thrilled at her attention and at the recognition that here at Renura, he's someone important. At this first meeting, she presented him with a complimentary token from the facility, his very own FitX BTM a bracelet tracking monitor, which looks like an expensive watch but also records heart and breathing rates, steps and motion, sleep and calories consumed, burned. She even helped him set it up and calibrate it with his device. When we combine information from the FitX with the gaming station's optic close-up slash visual scan, we not only have an incredibly rich source of data but can also fine-tune the play experience in real time. 
It's pretty amazing. From there, the relationship between Renura and guest number 78-498-7-0 took off, with, before today, only two major pain points, one overcome with human ingenuity and the other with data. Colleagues, Mr. Merriman has arrived. He's parked his car in Lot A and is approaching the entrance. Drone surveillance, please zoom in on his face. Ah, that determined look. We know just what he's thinking, don't we? That this is the day, the day that everything will turn around. And he's correct, though not the way he imagines. Ms. De Silva, please ensure you're nowhere near the vicinity of the front entrance or we're guaranteed a scene. Is the security team in place? Do they have the necessary equipment? Helmets, tasers, stun shields, $25 gift card to Outback Steakhouse, the standard parting gift. After all, Merriman's got some tough conversations in his future. A bloomin' onion can only help. Merriman's first major pain point came two Decembers ago. Look at the plot of his losses over time. By then he was down well over one million dollars. He ate and drank more at the facility and had the look of a man not sleeping well. Well, more than that. Data from his FitX indicated his sleep was shit. A meeting was held to determine Renura's strategy. The analytics folks argued it was time for separation. The estimates indicated his personal finances, savings and investments, 401k, home equity, were practically gone. His credit score had tanked, which suggested he was holding debt. Extending a line of credit from the facility itself was judged unwise given the low likelihood of recovery. But Ms. De Silva and her guest relationship colleagues dissented. She invited him to dinner at one of the facility's restaurants, and he happily accepted. During the meal, as is SOP, we captured audio and video. Merriman confided in her that he was depressed, particularly about the holidays, and wasn't sure how he would provide gifts for his wife and daughters. After she asked what he'd like to get them, Ms. De Silva sent him back to the gaming stations with some words of comfort and $2,500 in credit. Three hours later, she presented him with a laptop for his older child, a bicycle for his younger, and an emerald brooch for Carol. Props to the logistics department, BTW, for some major hustle that day. Before he drove away with the gifts in his car, we captured Merriman's tears on video. That day cost the facility $8,000, and over the holiday some of us wondered whether we'd pissed it away on a guest we'd never see again. But that investment, and Ms. De Silva's thoughtfulness, paid off in spades. No pun intended, colleagues. Merriman showed up again on January 2, refreshed and with 50 k in his account. It was at this point, we later surmised, that he'd begun stealing from his employer. How did that Christmas go for the guest? We have to wonder. Monitoring web social reveals little, most of it inferential. One young hotshot in the guest insight department suggested that we could see the Merriman Christmas tree directly through sensors in his home's small appliances and HVAC system. For now, the cost-benefit of that is off-kilter, but we look forward to testing future innovations in IoT surveillance in Christmases yet to come. Certainly, by that time, Merriman was a ghost to his family, and as elusive as a rare beast at work. What lies did he tell about his whereabouts? Often in such cases the family is led to believe work has taken over, and work is told there are troubles at home, while meanwhile the guest spends most of his waking hours in front of a gaming station, deep in the zone. How did he justify his lies to himself? Sometimes, colleagues, don't you wish we could debrief guests before separation?
alas. An update. Security has intercepted Mr. Merriman and escorted him back to his car. He is upset. Can we have drone surveillance on parking spot A739, please? He's in the driver's seat, stabbing a finger at his device. Watch his shoulders heave. We can imagine what he feels. Confusion, shame, dread. This is painful to watch. Go on, Mr. Merriman. Just start the car and drive away. The second pain point came a little more than a year after the first. By this time, Merriman was out another $1.6 million, bringing his total losses to near $3 million. More than half of this wasn't even his money. He'd become habituated to stealing from standard belts and hoses. But now he was required to file the first of the company's tax returns since his theft began. This was a psychological hurdle for him, perhaps because the lies weren't just to his co-workers, but to the feds. And because filing taxes, like many interactions with the government, is fraught with threats of punishment. At the facility, Merriman appeared distracted. He got frustrated with the machines, lost concentration more frequently. His tone with Ms. De Silva, on whom he has, to be blunt, a puppy-dog crush that would embarrass a sixth grader, nonetheless occasionally grew bitter. It's here that the analytics department showed its genius. Look again, colleagues, at the chart of Merriman's losses over time. Notice the anomaly in the first quarter of that year. Whereas in most other three-month intervals Merriman lost several hundred thousand dollars or more, in that quarter he didn't just break even. He came out ahead by two hundred thousand dollars. This was thanks to bonus jackpots engineered by analytics, whose validity he never questioned, and which had a remarkable effect on his state of mind. He believed his changed fortunes were due to skill, that he'd finally figured out how to beat the game. This emboldened him to file the return, and to buy a new car, a sporty blue BMW, with a significant portion of the winnings. A bit cocky for a guy down seven figures, no? Most of all, it extended his relationship with us by another year and a half. He's still here, still in his car, head in hands. Now he's opening the glove compartment, rummaging around for something. Please, Mr. Merriman, leave. Colleagues, it seems some of you are curious as to why Renura and this guest are separating now. Yesterday, the guest physiology department flagged highly anomalous readings from Mr. Merriman's FitEx. The pattern was consistent with a monumental scare, as from a life-threatening situation like a robbery at gunpoint or a near-miss with a truck. Merriman was tracked to his workplace. For hours, the readings remained elevated well beyond normal. He left his office very late, then proceeded home, where he spent an entirely sleepless night. This morning he returned to the office, and shortly thereafter our police band monitoring text analysis detected that a patrol car was dispatched to his work address. Less than half an hour later, Merriman left his workplace and drove here. Renura made its determination minutes later. Analytics and guest relationships are in concurrence. One need not be Sherlock Holmes to arrive at the strong inference that standard belts and hoses finally caught on to Merriman's machinations. Imagine for a moment Merriman's experience yesterday. First, it's a normal day at the office, and he's eager to finish up so he can drive here and lose some money. Then he finds that one of his passwords doesn't work. Perhaps notices activity he doesn't recognize in the accounts he manages. Later, he realizes his access to certain files and funds has been rescinded. 
concern becomes panic, and then, as enough pieces fit into place, shock that sends his physiology off the charts. He sticks his head out into the hallway and notices a hush. He hasn't spent much time with his co-workers lately, but something feels off. Most people's doors are, uncharacteristically, closed. Frantic, he spends hours alone in his office, tries to get back into his files, cover his tracks. He wanders home in a daze, wonders if the whole thing isn't some fit of paranoia, something he can work out with the IT department the next day. After all, no one said anything. Then, this morning, he arrives to find his office door locked. His meager personal belongings sit in a box on the hallway floor. He's ushered into a windowless conference room by tight-lipped colleagues who won't make eye contact. A police officer stands, glowering, as his bosses, torn between surprise and anger, reeling from the implications for the company, offer him a generous severance package of get out of here now and expect to hear from our attorneys. We've seen this before, colleagues. Merriman was lucky to avoid arrest on the spot. Lawsuits are on the way. So, quite likely, are criminal charges and prison time. His wife and daughters woke up this morning unaware that their home wasn't theirs. The girls have spent years working diligently toward college educations that are no longer financially attainable. Carol's long dreamed of a retirement life together that she and Roger will never enjoy. He's betrayed everyone. And all that aside, the money's gone. Merriman's not worth the shirt on his back. What else is there for him to do besides come here and try to dig out? Pretty pathetic. Any other questions about why we're separating? These ups and downs cause a lot of stress. They aren't kind to people. In the last four years, Roger Merriman's aged a decade. He's gained 30 pounds and his blood pressure and cholesterol have risen significantly. Some of this, of course, is protected information, but when individuals choose to share it to save a few bucks on insurance or for a chance to win a gift card, let's just say that Hypa becomes not quite so high a mountain to climb. Mentally and emotionally, too, he's a different man. Look at his web social page. That picture. The open-collared shirt. Hair slicked back. Cigar jauntily protruding from mouth. Does he think he's Tony Soprano? Contrast it with the photo on display the first time he visited Renura. Yep, we've got them archived. He's posing with Carol and the kids, all of them in dorky sweaters, and he appears, if not excited, at least content. Scroll even further back, colleagues, and check out some of his web social activity. Observe his likes of articles focused on the importance of saving. Read his comments advising others to max out their 401ks, start 529 plans for their kids' college, and invest in low-cost index funds. Note his complete lack of engagement with the constant stream of photos posted by the old college buddy who moved to Las Vegas and frequented the Strip. And the car. He could have afforded that car on his regular salary, could have purchased it any old time he wanted to. Instead, he drove a caravan. And only when massively in debt, only after committing felony embezzlement and fraud, did he indulge in a midlife crisis mobile? Roger Merriman's been living a double life. His soul's here at Renura, even when his body's not. And he deceived everyone, which, all else aside, you must admit, is an exciting thing to do, at least until everyone finds out. For the first time in years, Merriman possessed secrets. 
Did he fancy himself a Walter White type, a tame suburban dad turned to something else entirely? Did he fantasize taking over video poker the way Walter took over the meth business? Had he come to believe that he was a dangerous man, a risk-taker? Both of those characterizations, at least, are true. Security, Mr. Merriman has removed a firearm from his glove compartment. Colleagues, this is an unfortunate turn of events. We'd hoped it wouldn't turn out this way. Historical guest behavior now indicates two likely outcomes, neither one pretty nor paperwork-free. Is the rooftop sniper team in place yet? If he exits the vehicle with the weapon in hand, you know what to do. The other outcome is equally tragic. Be ready to call 911 and send out a ground crew to obscure the vehicle until they arrive. The last thing we want is for guests to view something so unsightly. Ah, the mysteries of the human psyche. Why was Roger Merriman more susceptible to the lure of the facility than others who seemed just like him? Was it genetic? Some long-dormant relic of his upbringing? Might his desire have been satiated had he led a wilder life, found other outlets, been fonder of scotch or bow-hunting or Krav Maga? Would day-trading have filled the niche? An extramarital affair? It's been said that predictive analytics can too easily transform into prescriptive analytics, but the data we have, like any poll or clinical trial, are most useful to describe populations, not people. Making too many assumptions about individuals from population-level data is a great way to be wrong. The same fallacy that leads to racial stereotypes and useless medical generalizations like BMI. Was Roger Merriman an anomaly? An outlier? Or are there others like him? Our algorithms, as incredible as they are, have limits. For all the insights they provide, they're not yet all-knowing. Colleagues, there are many fascinating things yet to be discovered, and we will discover them, one Roger Merriman at a time. After all, billions of dollars are at stake. Let's have a fruit basket and flower arrangement sent next day to Mr. Merriman's family. This is going to be a difficult time for them. Maybe throw in a few of those Outback gift cards, too. And sign the card, guest number 78-498-7-0, Roger Merriman, was one of our top guests. It was a pleasure serving him. Deepest sympathies, American Gaming Facilities, Inc., DBA, Renura Casino, Resort, Spa, Winery, and Equestrian Center. Goodbyes are sad, but it's also sad to watch someone lose control. Let's remember that Mr. Merriman could have walked away at any time, including today. To paraphrase the song, he didn't know when to fold him. Those who try to divert blame away from people like him and put it on us probably think we ought to close all the bars because some people become alcoholics or close all the grocery stores because some people have type 2 diabetes. We've heard it before. Let's remember that the state has welcomed this facility because they believe we are an economic benefit to them. Ours is a highly regulated industry. The state legislature's intent and legal precedent are clear. Responsibility lies with the individual, not the facility. We don't make the laws, colleagues. We merely follow them. Let's proceed with clear consciences. In fact, look around the facility right now. There are 3,723 guests enjoying themselves. 
including 417 first-timers who've just installed the Renurafon app. The next Roger Merriman may be among them. I see Ms. De Silva is already circulating on the facility floor, greeting guests. Let's follow her example and welcome them home. Josh Trapani's day jobs have included stints at Washington, D.C. think tanks and associations, at USDA, and as a science fellow for a U.S. senator. He helped start the Washington Independent Review of Books and served as its first managing editor. Trained as a paleontologist, Josh's research applied quantitative methods to understanding morphological evolution, and he performed fieldwork in the U.S., Mexico, and Ethiopia, as well as essays and opinion pieces in science policy venues and the New York Daily News op-ed page. His fiction and humor have appeared, or will soon appear, in The Big Jewel, The Del Sol Review, Neutrons, Protons, and Issues in Science and Technology. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or visit us at our webpage brickmoonfiction.com.